When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big Drive Energy winners circle Monday and what a weekend in the golf world it was. You're looking at Nick Dunlap, the first amateur to win a PGA Tour event since we were born. Uh, we'll, of course, dive deep into that and, and what he looked like at La Quinta over there this weekend. Uh, Lydia Ko won her 20th career LPGA event and Rory McIlroy must have heard the pod last week. Must have heard that he just may never win again or he's a big choker. But fortunately, he was playing an even worse choker in Cam Young. So, uh, And then we're going to finish this pod up with a little mulligan of the week. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Mitch. What's up, dude? How you? How was your weekend uh, full of sports and full of uh, what happened yesterday? Because it was, I, I'm still shocked um, at what Nick Dunlap did. Yeah, I mean, just the as a general overview, I it just makes complete sense because I bet on Sam Burns and put out the pick and I am just I I guess you could call me for lack of a better term just a cuck. Like whoever I pick doesn't win. Uh I I and he didn't even finish top 5. Like can we talk about and, and it's sadly like Okay, so let's unravel this whole thing. Um, I mean, Nick Dunlap, let's look at Sunday. Uh, He shoots 60 on Saturday, shoots 70 on Sunday. Played with like two amateurs Saturday, so you know he's like, you know, all relaxed, pretty low key. Uh, You know, he's not in the final group and everything, playing against like competitors. Um, So he shoots 60 on Saturday, goes out and shoots 70 on Sunday, which, you know, it's a good score, but when the winning score is what 29 under 70 is not really a great score. Shockingly, he still gets it done with that, but um, he didn't go out and shoot 63 and win the event. You know what I mean? He, he was a a merchant of, (laughs) he was a double bogey merchant of Sam Burns, just shitting down his leg. Like I haven't seen a collapse like that in probably years i i don't know what exactly happened i mean the loose swing on 17 but then even up 18 he he looked like he completely like his brain just exited his head i don't how can you be that in the zone and playing that well almost shooting 59 earlier in the week you know he's playing out of his mind and hadn't made a bogey i mean he wasn't making a lot of birdies on sunday but Hadn't made a bogey the entire round. What was it, 24 straight holes he hadn't made a bogey? Yeah, he hadn't made a bogey in 24 straight holes leading up to 17 Sunday. And then he goes double-double. And, you know, it's it's hard to say, but it kind of looked like he was aiming at that flag on 17, um, like getting a little overly aggressive. But he just made some really loose swings on 17 and 18. And, you know, it's it's just typical. And even like bets 365, they gave out the boost of – they boosted Sam Burns from plus 3,300 to plus 4,000. And I was like, this shit's too good to be true. Like he's going to, they boost the actual winner of this event at those kinds of odds. 
And no, uh, a 450 to one amateur comes out of absolutely nowhere and wins the event. So um, just a, a treat for me. I, I don't even know why I still bet on golf. Um, it's just like getting punched in the face multiple times every week. So I'm, I'm kind of done with it. Stay tuned. At the end of the pod, we will be giving out our bet 365 picks for the Farmers Insurance Open coming up. Uh, PGA Tour does a right thing this coming weekend and has the tournament start Wednesday, finish on Saturday. So there's no um, TV issues with the AFC and NFC Championship games, which will be dominating households and televisions all around the country. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. We're, we always hop back on the horse, no matter how grueling of a defeat we faced. And, uh, like you said, Sam Burns flirted, flirted with 59 on Friday. A couple guys flirted with 59. I mean, of course, Nick Dunlap shot 60 on Saturday. Uh, he shot 61 and we tweeted from our account, like the, the his, uh, post round interview. And he apparently said he had no clue, like how well he was doing. Like, how do you not know? You know, I, I don't know, like I, I continuously shoot in the mid to high seventies. Like that's my, that's kind of my sweet spot. Best believe I go into every hole knowing how many over par I am. Yeah, that's, that's a, one of the big differences between pros and amateurs and even just like really good pros and pros that have been there so many times and done that. Uh, but yeah, they focus on the actual task at hand they're not just like clinching their asshole the entire back nine if they had like a a good front nine and they're like okay don't try to not mess this up you know they're out there playing aggressively uh they don't even really know where they're at like sam Burns said and yeah i mean especially with it being a par 72 like he was so far under par he start what was his first 14 holes was like six birdies and two eagles or some shit um, just like an unbelievable run that he had there at the beginning of that round. But, you know, it really doesn't matter if you, uh, can't close it out. It was actually funny though, because, uh, my girlfriend, Missy, I've brought her up a few times on the show. We were watching, you know, I was flipping it back and forth between golf and football and I had just missed the Sam Burns, like double bogey, or I had missed the shot. I saw him in the drop zone, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I was like, he hadn't made a bogey in 24 holes before this. And she goes, well, by the looks of the scores, it looks like nobody's made a fucking bogey this week. Like she, you know, and her not really knowing that much golf, but it just cracked me up. Cause I'm like, yeah, the, the American express, these golf courses are known to, uh, give up a lot of birdies. I mean, the, the winning score is usually pretty low, but, uh, it's just gotten like out of hand. I'm looking forward to getting to some golf courses where, you know, eight, nine, 10 under wins the event. Like you actually got to grind. Cause these dudes are just aiming at every single flag and making every single putt. Um, it's like a pitch and putt out there for me, even, even for, and so here's a question that I'll ask you, Spencer, do you think it's more impressive that Nick Dunlap won this kind of tournament? Or would you be more impressed if he won a tournament where it was more of a grind, where it was six, seven, eight under par was the winner? Uh, I don't want to take anything away from the kid, but I I think winning a tournament where he shot nine under and there was like a bunch of guys fight, you know, you're fighting for pars instead of taking pars because you're missing birdie putts. Like, I think that's obviously a tougher and different style of golf. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say one is more important than, than the other, but like, 
you know, mortgage on the line, if I had to make an answer, I would say that this isn't quite as impressive, but also just the fact that he went out and shot 29 under and went toe to toe with these guys. Uh, You did mention it earlier, but on Saturday, his other pro playing partner, like the PGA professional, he dropped out. And so they were playing, he was, there was just three amateurs in the group. And I wonder if there's ever been three amateurs in a PGA Tour event and that's it. No pro. Because that's what it ended up being for him on Saturday. So he's just playing around with two old rich dudes. And it was funny because you watch the the highlights of the tournament or you're watching the tournament on Saturday. And like, there's just some... (laughs) I got tricked the first time, I'll be honest. uh, Honesty hour. Like, some dude with, like, a fucking slicked back hair, no hat on, like, these old Oakley shades started lining up a putt after they showed somebody making a putt. I was like, who the fuck is this guy on the tour? And then I realized that there is uh, AM City all out there, which is kind of, it's just such a funky tournament in general from having three three days at three different courses, you know, definitely some of them were tougher than others. And then finishing the last day, like, I feel like anybody that had to play uh, the stadium course Saturday and then turn around and play it right again on Sunday, they, you know, had an advantage. And one thing I didn't think about, but I saw on the good old Twitter is they didn't make the pins as hard as they normally would for like a PGA tour event through the first couple of rounds, especially considering that the amateurs were on the course as well. So that's something I hadn't considered. Yeah. They generally set these, uh, you know, pro-am type events up a little bit easier because they don't want uh, the ams out there. Like these amateur players are are paying probably 15, 20 grand to play in this event. They don't want them to have a completely terrible time and not want to come back. So uh, they're, they're setting it up like relatively easy, which lends itself to then be a birdie fest, but still just the, the sheer amount of birdies uh, that were made this week. And um, the Sun JM stat, he had, in his first 100 holes this year on tour, he's made 45 birdies. Uh, That is absolutely. When they said that on Saturday, like my mouth dropped. Yeah, that, that might be the craziest stat. Um, Like, and the fact that he isn't one, like he's either making a lot of bogeys or I don't know what the story is, but that is, that is wild to me. Like talk about just, and Sanjay M is not like that kind of like, I mean, he hits it a long way, but nothing, crazy like he just makes i guess he's probably got to be one of the best putters on tour um if he's making 45 birdies you got to be knocking in putts so that's that is insane to me but uh overall like nick dunlap obviously super super impressive uh he won at he's won multiple amateur events he won the uh us amateur at cherry hills that was widely broadcasted uh, all over the you know the network when they were showing him um but we really didn't even have him on our radar at cherry hills he was not uh like one of the more well-known guys there so he goes on <coughs> excuse me sorry uh he goes on to win there and then he uh you know it catapults him to now being a pga tour winner and uh the dude is just on the ride of a lifetime like can no nobody's heard this guy's name before this week and now he's a PGA Tour winner. Yeah, well, if you pay attention to the amateur game, he he dominated uh the last few 
matches here at Cherry Hills, and we actually watched him for a few holes. I remember, I, I didn't think it was the same guy, but then when they talked about him winning, and I remember us following a Dunlap, and obviously, you know, I wasn't too up to speed on on the names there at Cherry Hills, but... I think I was drunk, so that didn't help. You you were a little a little drunk, um, which was hilarious. Uh, we we had some good content out of that week, but um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. He goes from uh, th- this is something I read uh, about Nick Dunlap. So he he started out the U.S. Amateur um, with where is it? He played the wrong ball. Uh, he four putted. And he was five over through seven holes of Monday's opening round at Colorado Golf Club to get, you know, to get to the final part of the USAM. And his caddy, uh, who used to play on tour, Jeff Curl, just wrote in his uh, yardage book, this can be an amazing story if you let go and let it happen. So that's kind of insane to think, you know, this past summer it's culminated into this. And now he's a PGA Tour winner. And it's funny, he's like, he can turn pro and still get in the masters cause he's won or he can stay in am still get in the masters cause he won, you know, the U S am. So he's got, uh, options of plenty. Marissa real quick. I want you to tap in. How much money did Nick Dunlap win in this tournament this weekend? I don't know. Take a quick guess. Can I have like a range? Um, yeah. PGA tour purses, usually the winners in anywhere between a million. It wasn't a signature event. So anywhere between a million and 2 million. 1.5 million. Okay, so no. Okay. 1.51 million is the winner's purse, but since he's an amateur, he made $0. Jesus. He doesn't get to take home a single dollar from the tournament purse, which means Christian Bazudenhoit, little second place action, fucking fired nine under, was just holding it out from the fairway, just full late charge, screwing us at the time until Burnsy got to 29. He takes home the whole winner's purse of 1.51 by himself because he got second. That's insane. Yeah. So when you're not a pro, you are not allowed to quote unquote accept any, you know, the dude's got NLL deals now falling out of his ass. Like he's getting paid by somebody. Um, yeah. but he doesn't get to accept any of the prize money. And there's a bunch of good tweets about the pro shop credit that he won. Uh, maybe he got himself some new, <laughs> some new tailor made hats, maybe some new foot joy shoes. Uh, you know, a couple, a couple dozen pro V's or whatever ball he's playing. So, so quick story time. That's similar to, uh, what happened this weekend. I was playing in the Southern Utah open a few years back, like eight or nine years ago. And, uh, Zach Blair, who's still on the PGA tour was in the field because his dad like owns the golf course that we played it at. And, uh, you know, no nepotism there or anything. Um, and he had like, he was one of the first five guys out of the masters that year. So he didn't, it was the same week as the masters. He didn't get the invite. So he comes and plays in the Southern Utah open and everybody just kind of expected him to boat race everyone, which it was a three day event. I mean, I was probably like six or seven over pissing down my leg, drinking too much every night, you know, the standard thing that I did. Uh, but Zach Blair was like 20, 21 under something like that. Like, pretty fucking low for a uh you know in a smaller event but there was a high schooler in the he was paired with a high schooler in the last round of the event the high schooler shot i think 11 under and actually beat zach blair and won the event so obviously he was an amateur 
uh, could not take any of the prize money. So Zach still pocketed first place, which I think is like 25 grand, 30 grand. I mean, nothing to, you know, nothing to shake your tail at, but, uh, yeah, the, I was just shocked. I was like, Holy shit, this kid. Cause this is like one of Zach Blair's home courses growing up. And this kid just went full savage mode, shot like 61 on Sunday and beat Zach Blair. So I don't really know where he is now. I'd have to look up the name. Um, but similar situation, not near as crazy as what happened this week on the PJ tour. But sometimes you're just like, who are these kids that who can just shoot 61? Like you got to have some crazy talent to, to shoot those kind of numbers. Yeah, and so Nick Dunlap, uh, they talked about it on the broadcast a ton. Obviously, they showed his um, bus, the Alabama bo- men's bo- men's boys, Alabama <laughs> men's golf bus, uh, cheering him on, watching it. And then uh, he shot 60 with them or with his buddies on Monday, the day before he left for the event. So you can tell these kids are just different. I mean, when he won the USAM, he was 19 years old. Now he's 20, so he... He's the second youngest winner. We're about to get into the uh, Nick Dunlap stat, crazy stat mode. Uh, second youngest winner on the PGA Tour since World War II. Who was number one, by the way? Um, by day, by like age. Oh, younger? Mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth. Yep. And He's 19. Bonus points for the tournament and the year. Uh it was the John Deere Classic. I remember that. Yep. Um, 2014. Oh, close. 2013. 2013. Okay, is the year I graduated high school. That's Wild. pretty good, though. That's pretty good. Um, so he, he also was the only... Um, so first amateur to win on tour since Phil Mickelson at the Tucson Open 1991 before any of us in this room were born, um, even to be able to watch that. Only uh, Patrick Cantlay has also shot a 60... In a as an amateur in a PGA Tour event, which Nick Dunlap did, um, and then we have some funny Nick Dunlap tweets uh, that we want to pull up here. So the first one, uh, number three, this there was just a lot of people that were commenting on you know Nick Dunlap's ability to be in college still and play. So this one's hilarious because. Uh, there's there was some things that happened in the golf world that people were going off about, um, but this is from Brian Kirshner. Nick Dunlap, you're a sophomore in college. Go get some bitches or something, bro. Stop with this shit. <laughs> and that, that is pretty good. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to be doing that because they showed his girlfriend um, with his parents at the the last day and following him around. But he's definitely not lacking in that department. Let's just put it that way. Uh, no, so I, th- I think he's going to be just fine. What's that? No, no, I think he's just he's going to be just fine in that department. Um, but let's talk real quick about what we would personally do uh, if we were in his shoes. Like, do you turn pro? Do you go back to Alabama? Um, oh, I'm I just was, gonna. I was thinking uh, I would have Sam Burns did on the 17 and 18. That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> Well, you would have never been in that position in the first place. So let's just be real about that. Um, No, I'm fucking with you. But yeah, you you would have stuck one in the ground on 17. (laughs) The the follow through is just like super classic. Like he let go of it. He's like, he knew it was in the water. Do you see him Um, smack the mic too? He hit the mic with his with his club. Yeah, he uh, he clearly wasn't happy. But at the same time, like when you're 
Sam Burns in that position, you have all the pressure in the world on you because you're supposed to win. You're supposed to beat the amateur. Um, you know, there you're not supposed to lose to a, a 20 year old who nobody's really ever heard of relatively. Uh, so there was more pressure on him for sure. Like Dunlap had nothing to lose. Um, but I'm saying, would you turn pro and take the two year exemption and just go for it from there? Or would you go back to Alabama? Cause let, I'll, I'll answer real quick. I've, I've thought about this at length. Um, <laughs> think about the kind of privilege you would need to have to be like, no, I'm going to turn down a two year exemption on the PJ tour to go back to school. Like what kind of asshole do you have to be to be like, no, I'm going to go like enjoy my time at Alabama instead of going out on the PJ tour and basically guaranteeing yourself millions of dollars. Like, I don't know his background or his family or whatever, but you know, depending on what kind of economic background he comes from, if I was his parents, I'd be like, you're getting your ass on the PGA tour next week. Like what's, what are you exempt into and how soon can you sign up? Cause that's, you know, that's, that's not something you can uh, pass up as a, as a normal person. You can't turn down that kind of money. Well, yeah, he, I, I don't know. I think it's more of from the fact of like, his college teammates and his college season, he did um, get the invite to uh, Tory Pines this coming weekend and turned it down. Like he's going back to college. Um, so I'm pretty sure he is going to end up going back to college, but I wonder if I- I'm sure it stands since it's a two year exemption and, and he's going to miss out on all the signature events this year, which he could also play in, including all the majors. Um <laughs> But I think he only gets to play in a few of the majors now because he's the USAM champion, right? It's not. Is it? I don't think it's all four of them. He's he play he's the exempt, I think he's exempt into everything except the U.S. Open, which is ironic when you win the U.S. Amateur. But I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, that's what I saw. I think he's in the Open Championship, the PGA, and the uh, the Masters. Well, maybe he finishes one more year at Bama. And then starts 2025 with full PGA Tour status for another year and ends up, you know, well, the, here, let me turn it around on you. The, the NIL money is going to roll in for this kid. Uh, I would imagine every golf company, uh, you know, tailor-made, if they're, who, what they're already paying him is not enough. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Bless you. I think oh. I saw a legitimate cloud come out of your sneeze. What the hell was that? <laughs> fucking whoops um but the the nil deals he's gonna get are gonna be ridiculous and yes he missed out on 1.5 but now he's got the legitimate chance to turn pro for a reason because of all the exemptions he has and he i'm not saying he's scared of working for it or he's not a good enough player to get it but i bet you the nil money he ends up getting rivals the amount he would make on tour the rest of the year and he doesn't have to work as hard because he already won on tour you know what i mean yeah i i understand that but ultimately like if you think there's been a handful of like really really good players um like elite golf you know tiger god damn i can't talk um there's been a handful of elite players that feel like they were like put on this earth to play golf and if he th- if he is that then he needs to go to the pga tour as soon as possible because look at Jordan Spieth 
Jordan Spieth, he actually did turn pro, uh, you know, the week before that, uh, when he won the John Deere back in 2013, but he had no status. He was given five or six sponsors exemptions, and he turned that into a, a two-year PGA Tour exemption and then turned that into a, a wildly successful career. So I don't think you can t- turn down this opportunity to springboard your way onto the PGA Tour. Like, do you know how many dudes would give like legitimate, like they would give like a, a finger or a toe or whatever guys that have been grinding on the corn Ferry tour for years and years and years and on the Canadian tour and on many tours to have a two year exemption, like just the hubris to turn that down. In my opinion, I don't care. And, and for people that are like, what if he's not ready? He just won on the PGA tour. Who's going to say he's not ready to, you know, go out and play on the tour. It's not like, he made it he barely made the cut or he missed the cut or whatever he freaking won this week so i think anybody saying that he you know he needs to get more years under him or whatever take advantage of the opportunity that's right in front of you in my opinion because i i don't know how you could turn down a, a two-year pj tour exemption the possibility of making five ten twenty million dollars i don't think his earning potential, I mean, with the NIL now, thank God that he can make something because it just blows my mind that those amateurs used to walk away with literally zero dollars to show for it from, you know, sponsorship and not being able to take the purse. But his earning potential, you can't think is is higher in the NIL than it is on the PGA Tour. Like, that's just asinine. No, his earning potential is not. Um, but, you know, he we've seen golf in... in our entire lives and we've seen it happen in the past where you think somebody's the next great thing. And then all of a sudden he, Anthony Kim's it and he disappears. And so, you know, that, that the thing is, is like, he's getting paid for just being a college kid now versus getting paid to be a professional tour player and have to go out and, you know, um, unlike the live tour, he doesn't just get to sign a contract for X amount of dollars and play. Uh, he is now, you know, he'd have to show up at Torrey Pines next week and if he shoots 74, 73, he's not making a dime. So I I, think that's, you know, that could be part of it in general, but I also just don't think he's ready to, he's ready to play on the PGA tour, but I feel like something in him was like, I'm just chilling in college. Like I'm going to make that last in as long as I can. And I, I honestly, when I got to be like 23, 24, just out of college, I was like, fuck, you know, maybe I should have taken that fifth and sixth year. No, I I get that, dude. But ultimately, what if he spends two more years at Alabama and then he's back at Q school when he graduates and he never makes it to the PGA Tour again? Like, would you not kick yourself for the rest of your life for turning down that opportunity? Oh, 100%. And that's why I honestly think that it's a one-year type of thing. I think he'll take this year, finish at Bama, but knowing he's moving on versus just like he like i mean it happens to everybody or occasionally but you you would just drop his entire life and how he's living it to go play in the PGA tour now it doesn't seem like it's that bad it's a lot of travel you know you're grinding at golf which he's already doing being on the the team in Alabama but i mean he just his entire life just changed and then he would you know, basically accept he's accepting that change and changing it even more with what he's doing. I'm not saying it's the right decision. I, it's just like a lot. I would say, you know, he's trying to, he's just trying to fucking comprehend how he hit it 
on the in the middle of the green at 17 and then watched a Ryder Cup multi-time tour winner rinse one and basically fall off to him. And then he nails a six-footer on 18 like it's nothing. Did you think he was going to miss or make that? Just out of curiosity. Um, I thought he was going to miss it. I mean, he didn't have an easy up and down on 18, uh, and he had to watch Sam Burns hit it all over God's creation. So that's always a little bit of a struggle when you're watching somebody else fucking bat it all over the world and you're trying to focus, you know, and dial it in and finish strong. But no, I, 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 I didn't think he was going to get up and down if I'm being honest with you, which would have been even more electric than you'd have had a playoff. But uh, yeah, the, he's got stones. Like he's got it all. He just won on tour. Like think about the, the last person to win as an amateur it was Phil Mickelson. What what kind of career did he have? Was he any good? I don't know. One of the best top, he was a top 10 golfer of all time. So I don't think you can really, you know, turn down this opportunity. Um, on the topic of Phil Mickelson real quick, do we have our tweet of the week up? Uh, Marissa, is... are you available to pull that up? Yes, give me one second. Okay, so it's a tweet from uh, Monday Q Info, which is this the one that I... No, 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 hold on. Different yeah, ones? Give me a second. No worries, you're fine. Um, what number is it? Uh, I can't see that closely. Spencer, can you see? This is, yeah. this is great video podcasting. Super good video podcasting right here. Um, I'm going to copy the link here. Cool. Well, anywho, it was basically, um, I'll verbally describe it as it's being pulled up. Uh, the, the PGA Tour basically did everything in their power to not mention Phil Mickelson, uh, which they're just true petty kings in that case. They do not want to give Phil even just a, a shred of light, uh, even though he was, you know, one of the two stalwarts on the PGA tour for the better part of three decades. Um, so there was four different graphics that the PGA tour posted and it was all about an amateur not having one since 1992. They phrased it in so many different ways and none of them included Phil Mickelson's name. Um, so Monday Q info, if I remember correctly, said masterclass on, uh, yeah, here we go. Um, a masterclass on how to not include Phil, Phil Mickelson in these graphics. Um, so it was just, I thought that was a great tweet because I really didn't think about it, but you could tell uh, everybody on the PGA Tour, the broadcast, the social media, Nobody wanted to give Phil any of that shine. So somewhere Phil Mickelson's sitting back drinking like 18 cups of coffee, just strung out of his mind, like, like shaking his head, like, fuck yeah, I'm still the man. They like Phil Mickelson still lives rent free on the PGA tour in the PGA tours minds. Oh yeah. It's, it's never going to be a thing where, um, you can just forget about him because he was so good for so long and won so many events. And when we posted our sports illustrated thing last week, um, when he won at Augusta and he's, he's one of the all time names in golf in general. And, uh, but you know, the PGA tour intern doing social, they, uh, they probably got strict word of 
Like you're not going to tweet this guy's name. And there was another thing I saw just randomly that they don't even have like Phil Mickelson listed on the PGA tour overall money list anymore. Um, they just like completely took his name off of it. So uh, somebody tweeted something about like, I didn't know that blank made more money than Phil Mickelson. And it was like a bunch of these random older dudes that were uh, on the, you know, just like David Duvall or Ernie Els or some shit like that. Uh, one more insane uh, Nick Dunlap stat before we get to Lydia Ko and Rory McIlroy. He shot 59 when he was 12 years old. And this is when the momentum started to pick up. I think he was he was T3 middle of Saturday. And that's when he was firing in the middle of firing his 60. He's got to change his Twitter name to Nick Dunlap 60, 60, by the way, 62 right now. I don't know. Maybe that was his career low, but now he's got to change it to Nick Dunlap 60. But fire, can you imagine firing a 59 when you're 12 years old? Uh, back in 2016, 28, 31 on a par 70 as a 12 year old. And they, <coughs> they have the picture <laughs> and he looks like the exact same kid. That's the craziest part. He looks really? no, almost no different other than like the, the hats older, still big tailor made guy, but like 12 years old shooting 59 on a par, like a legitimate regulation course. Well, the, the crazy thing was, is like the, the thought that he was born in 2004 uh, makes me want to throw up, makes me violently ill thinking about it. He was 12 in 2016. Like, what the fuck is that? And he just won on the PGA Tour. Uh, blows my mind. But no, I could not imagine. When I was 12 years old, I was like hardly playing golf. I was mostly playing baseball at that point. Um, I probably couldn't break 100 for sure. No, we uh, were just getting into it. Got our little golden bear sets, like four or five clubs, and just swinging yeah, I, around, having a good time in my aunt's ones. I think I was playing women's clubs. Uh, that was like the first set that my mom got me because they're a little bit like shorter and lighter than men's clubs. So it's good for like, you know, preteens and stuff like that. I wasn't super built muscular wise like I am now. So I, I had a tougher time swinging those heavier clubs. Uh, but yeah, shooting 59, I probably shot that on nine holes when I was 12. Like that's not out of the question whatsoever. No. So he's, he's clearly been, uh, ahead of the curve for some time now, which, you know, hats off to him. Some, some of these kids nowadays, people are just getting better and better at golf earlier and earlier. Um, so that just means we got to get Sawyer all set up. We got to get him into a, uh, uh, workout routine. Um, we got to get him some plastic clubs, whatever we're doing. He's already behind. Yeah. He, he's sitting up now. So he's, uh, he's primed and ready to, take some dry swings without using his lower body. If you can sit up, you can swing a golf club. That is true. There's people that play in fucking wheelchairs, which is insane. Um, all right. Before we get to Lydia Ko and Rory McIlroy, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at bet three, six, five. It's never ordinary bet three, six, five. Use the code all city in all caps. When you sign up and you get to choose between two different offers of a first bet safety net of a thousand dollars, meaning you get to bet up to a thousand dollars. That bet doesn't hit. They'll throw a free bet in your account for that amount or bet $5 and get 150. When you sign up using that code, all city must be 21 plus please gamble responsibly. If you or someone, you know, has a gambling problem and wants help call or text one 800 gambler. 
We always gamble on the Bet365 app on golf. Last week, Mitchell kind of fucked us a little bit with his uh, each way one through five instead of one through ten. Adam Hadwin finished in the top ten. Sam Burns also finished in the top ten, but he had top five, so we did not hit either of those bets. Definitely changing your odds and changing those this week, but make sure to check out Bet365. It's the best app for betting golf by far. They have every golf tournament. You can do the each way. It doubles your bet and places it on the guy to win and the golfer to take either top five, top 10, whatever you select there. So make sure you select one through 10. Uh, as our picks finished crispy in the top 10, Mitchell had a few good ones this past week. We're going to build on that. I also want to tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge Distillery. We've got some bottles right here. If you're not on the YouTube, hop on our YouTube, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, big drive energy golf. Um, Breckenridge Distillery is by far the best distillery in the entire country. It is also the highest distillery in the company in the company, in the country, um, not just in elevation, but also in rating. It's one of the highest rated high rye mash bourbons in the entire world. And Breckenridge Distillery, even though the distillery itself is in Colorado, you can get it in all 50 states if you visit www.breckenridgedistillery.com. Uh, we got some delivered a couple of weeks ago just right to our house. All you got to do is show your ID, pay, pay the mans, and you got Breck Distillery right in your house i've got a little issue with my liver going on currently so i'm on a no drinking policy that's going to last a couple more days um due to this this sickness i've been dealing with but believe me once i get back on the sauce breck distillery is going to be the first place i go also want to tell you guys about our friends over at burrito express down in arizona we'll be down there the 6th through the 10th of February for waste management as we are every single year. Definitely going to hit up some Burrito Express. We got a sick Airbnb with a little pool. So going to enjoy some pool time. We're going to play some golf, enjoy the warm weather, but also enjoy some great breakfast burritos from Burrito Express. They're a huge supporter of Arizona State athletics and athletes. I love the steak burrito potatoes. My current diet is steak burrito potatoes, uh, some sort of salsa, um, and then... That's pretty much it. Eggs, obviously, there's eggs in it, but I'm not eating the tortilla right now, so I probably make, probably undress that shit, eat it raw. Um, but Burrito Express, best breakfast burritos, and burritos in general in the game. All right, so Lydia Ko won her 20th career LPGA Tour event, and something that's being talked about now that I didn't know up until this week is the LPGA has certain specifications for being a Hall of Famer. And she is currently now one point away from that. My question to you is, do you think that should be like that in every sport? Do you think it should be down to a vote? Or do you think it should be, you have to have these specific qualifications before you're even considered? Um, No, I I think there's so much gray area because uh, I guess golf is different because it's an individual sport. So... I think team sports need to be looked at differently because you can only will a team to win so many games uh, versus as a a golfer, as an an individual sport, you can control the outcome, um, you know, barring any injury or anything. So in golf, I do love that rule though, because it feels like it's getting easier and easier to uh, get into the hall of fame. Like I know a lot of PGA tour players, it's a little questionable, uh, but Lydia Ko is, you know, one of the best um, 
golfers of this last generation she's only 26 years old which blows my mind like i guess i'm just getting old because everybody's younger than me at this point um but she is you know top five probably top 10 of all time in women's golf already uh and the crazy thing is is i think we've talked about this on the pod before but she is pretty like vehement about wanting to retire from golf by 30 and like go back to school and maybe become a doctor or um something like that so it just blows my mind like we saw annika sorenstam retire early we saw lorena ochoa retire early um now where you might see lydia co retire early and i mean do you think it's strictly because she so she made 225 grand winning this weekend um which is probably what uh you know 15th place made on the pga tour maybe you know between 10 and 15th place do you think it's strictly a money thing uh i mean they're making really good money but at the same time it's it's not quite the you know crazy life-changing millions and millions of dollars that pga tour players are making yeah i think it could be a money thing but also like they um you know, retiring early, there's more to life for them essentially than golf and golf is a grind and it's kind of almost a little bit like dis not disrespectful, but it's kind of the same, um, picture as Nick Dunlap is painting where it's like, ah, he goes out, he wins on the PGA tour and then he just doesn't take the 1.5 million and he couldn't, but now, and he goes right back to college and doesn't really care. He won on the PGA tour, but he's not going to take full advantage of it. And I feel like you know, that may be a good part of it is like Lydia Ko, she's already won 20 times. Not that this is too easy, but that's kind of, you know, what I'm getting at is I've won 20 times. I'm not even, you know, 30 years old yet. Once I get to 30 years old, I'll probably have won 25, 30 times and we'll call it a career and go back to doing something else. Um, so maybe not as much of uh, just like wanting to get out of the grind, you know, like I feel like everybody's like that a little bit in their daily job sometimes where they're like, I only want to do this for so long. Now, a lot of people can't afford to do it when they're 30 and just up and quit. Uh, it's usually 50, 60, some people working into their, till they're 70. But I feel like it's just that daily grind. And, you know, we don't play professional golf, but as cool as it seems as a job, just working in the golf industry like we did, it's definitely not as cool when you're on the other side of the counter or on the other side of the ropes for these people. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a grind, but at the end of the day, a, a job is a job, and I think I would rather play golf for a living than do a lot of other things. Um, but one other point I think we got to bring up too, and I'll get to it quickly, and then we can move on. Do you think it's possibly because it feels like women are so much better earlier? Like she was a full-time PGA or LPGA Tour member by the time she was 16. So you know, if she retires at 30, like she's talked about, she'll have put in 14 years um, on tour, one probably 25 times at that point. You know, do you, do you think that's like a thing is it's, they've kind of had a full career. If you look at other athletes, 14 years is a, a pretty long career, uh, you know, but she's starting when she was 16. So I think that might have something to do with it. Just how much earlier they get started as, as female specifically where, um, you can like Lydia Ko won when she was 15 on the LPGA tour. So we talk about Nick Dunlap winning at 20, she was 15 turned pro when she was 16. So she's, you know, talk about not having a childhood. 
you just go right into professional golf and you can you can hardly drive a car like that's insane yeah and that's a great point that might be the the crux of it is they don't get to live an adult life like uh, granted you know he's only 20 years old but i guarantee you nick dunlap's having a few beers uh when he turns 21 he's going to the bars hanging out like being a normal kid and when you start at 15 16 and it's like he's been playing that much golf but the pga tour grind is obviously very different hence why he doesn't want to just hop right into it um yeah. and so that that's a great point and they may be at 30 years old you know i'm 30 i can still do a lot of shit so maybe they just want to you know, that 30 years old, they're like, well, I still got enough life to live. Uh, I can go out and, and be kind of free, if you will, and not be on the constant grind of how much better my golf game can get, especially since she set herself up so well, winning 20 times. And I believe she's made over $15 million, I want to say, is like she's like top five. She's like the fifth P LPGA Tour player ever to make $15 million, I want to say, is something right around there. So, yeah. No, she's had a, I mean, she's already had a great career. She's only 26. Uh, real quick, let's get into Dubai. Uh, Rory won the tournament, uh, the Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, Cameron Young pissed down his leg. He still can't win anywhere. Like It looked like he had a four or five shot lead at some point this weekend. Looked like his tournament to lose uh, shot, I think, two over par on Sunday. So the dude just can't get the monkey off his back. Yeah, well, it's crazy looking at some of the um, the stats from this. So he started the last day with a two-shot lead, um, but was trailing McElroy after making bogey at six, which is only his, or his second drop shot of the round. So basically, like you said, yep, just pissed down his leg, essentially. Um, and at least Tommy Fleetwood can win on the DP World Tour, for God's sakes. Poor Cameron Young. We're, like, talking shit about him, and he's, like, what, 22, 23? Maybe he is a little bit older, but feels like he's had the young star status for long enough now that it's time to like nut up or shut up a little bit. Yeah, it's it's getting to that shit or get off the pot uh, point for Cameron Young. So, you know, Rory, whatever, he can win DP World Tour events. Win a major, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, he he was basically just holding holding it together. Rory finished with eight pars and a bogey on the back nine. Um, and this is a course that very tough, obviously he only finished 14 under overall as a winner, but, um, DP world tour brings the heat in terms of fields. Like it's, it's a lot of good play. It's interesting that Cameron Young's over there right now. I don't, I don't really know why, um, he's not playing in any of the events that over here in America right now, but, um, kind of interesting for him to be playing over there. Maybe he's trying to get a win. Maybe he's trying to win and then come on the PGA Tour and feel like, you know, he's got that win under his belt. Um, but Rory's won that tournament player. now four times. So that's Rory's most uh, popular tournament win, the Dubai Desert Classic. That's his honey hole. That's his spot. It's the honey hole. All right. Um, let's move into our mulligan of the week. One thing before we get to this, I did want to tell you. Uh, I, so I am officially signed up for an indoor golf league, um, with some peeps Let's here go. at work, uh, Thursday nights for the next 12 or 16 weeks. I have to go play, um, uh, let's clip this. I have to go play a handicap round for my indoor golf tonight, 18 holes at a simulator. I'm not sure what golf course it is. Give me an over under. Um, I'm going to go 
putting is is a little wonky on simulators so i'm i'm you're not very good at putting to begin with and then you know you throw the simulator element into it uh i'm gonna give you 81 and a half okay I'll take that. We'll report back uh, at the next pod this week and we'll clip that and then we'll run it into uh, what I fire. I am going to keep it on the DL that I'm a quote unquote PGA professional. I don't need any nonsense about this. Um, And first of all, the thing is, is like, I'm no better than there's going to be fucking 10 scratch. It's a three V three league. So it's three of us versus three other dudes. And the lowest it's three match plays. Like I play the lowest, if I'm the lowest, which I will be in our group. Uh, I play the lowest of the other group and dude, I'm going to be playing some scratch guys that are just going to fucking slap my dick into the dirt. I just know it. Uh, and I have not swung a golf club since I think November, maybe November, December, maybe. So we'll see. Um, but I am also going to feel like a fucking heel. If I've got like a 10 handicap, like that is going to suck. I almost considered just missing my practice round so that I don't, I just play it at zero um, but inevitably it will even out. They take your scores every week and kind of like add to it. But I don't have high hopes for this fucking practice round today. I'm telling you what I'm bringing Sawyer with me. I, I think it's going to be a fucking disaster. Don't, so. don't expose your son to that kind of piss poor performance. Well, he's got to see somebody swinging it. <laughs> he's got to see somebody fail. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll okay. Walk, so I'll walk so he can run. What is your mulligan of the week? My mulligan of the week is, um, oh, so I was at the gym uh, two mornings ago, and I'm still, like, foggy-headed in general, and it's not just the normal me. Like, this is the still, like, semi-sick me. And so I'm at the gym. I'm getting a run in, well, uh, a fast walk, I should say. Just getting a sweat on. You know, no executive workouts here, but an actual workout where I'm getting a sweat on. And I get off the treadmill and I'm very like clean at the gym. I go wipe my shit down every time. So I get off the treadmill, um, but it was going kind of fast as I was. And I saw so I kind of like scooted off the back and I was like, whoa, shit, like I almost fell. And I was like, no, this is fine. Like, you know, that just happens when it's slowing itself down. And then I like, don't think about it. I grab the, the paper towel. I turn around and I go to step on the treadmill and it's still fucking going. So I fall forward and i have to grab the handles and i'm like what the fuck so i hit cool down instead of stop but i'm so fucking airheaded it's like seven in the morning i'm like on fucking 500 milligrams of caffeine fucking my lips are tingling and I, like a leaf. yeah and i turn around and i step and i was like oh and i just fucking went down caught myself oh, my but man. didn't go flat but i looked around and i was like god damn it but yeah oh. that was my that was my mulligan of the week. I'll make sure I hit a uh, stop on the treadmill instead of cool down from now on. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. I would have paid very good money to watch you do that. Uh, so my mulligan of the week, um, I've been trying to eat better. I've been eating pretty clean, pretty well, like just a lot of like meat and vegetables for the most part. Um, so then we went down to Philly Saturday for, first of all, we went out uh, Friday night had a really good dinner. Um, so I definitely had a few carbs and then I just had a shitload of vodka. I mean, it's typical Friday night for Migsy. um, got pretty drunk. And then we went down to the, uh, the Wells Fargo center for the, the avalanche, uh, flyers game, um, Saturday afternoon, little matinee. And I've never had a Philly cheesesteak before. And 
so I'm going to preface this by saying like my stomach's been in a pretty good place. You know, the bowel movements have been relatively fine. Like, you know, when you eat clean, eat better, they're generally better. Um, so my stomach was kind of in shambles from the night before. And then I decided it's a good idea to drink two, like 24 ounce Coors lights and, uh, eat a Philly cheesesteak. That's like 16 inches long. Like it was just massive fucking Philly cheesesteak. I housed that thing. And then we've got like a two hour drive home and I just had the bubble guts the entire, like I, I was about to like pull over on the side of the road and just have a, a Yoba Goya. Like if you, if you know, if you've watched the league, that's basically an emergency shit on the side of the road. I was, I, I couldn't even uh, miss. He was trying to talk to me as we were like pulling back into the house and I couldn't even talk. Cause it was just one of those where I was just, there's, Sometimes you can't focus on anything else but trying not to shit your pants. <laughs> so that's where I was. That Philly cheesesteak put me in a blender. Um, I made it though. Didn't didn't uh, have an oopsie or anything. So uh, we were good. But yeah, the stomach was just in 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 shambles after that Philly cheesesteak. I bet was it delicious though? Oh, it was so fucking good. Um, real quick, like side note: if any like hoagie. And also they call them hoagies out here. I call them subs, but whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, any like hoagie bread out here that has sesame seeds on it, I'm automatically in. Like I love a good sesame seed crusted hoagie roll. Holy shit. And it had sesame seeds. I got the onions. It did have like white cheese on it, which usually it's got like yellow, like cheese whiz or whatever. That probably just would have like put me over the edge and made me fully shit my pants. Um <laughs> But it was very, very good. Like, I'm not going to lie. And uh, shout out to our boy Vince down in uh, at Philly. He hooked me up with the tickets. They were club seats. They were awesome. Um, the dude, David, the attendant, like at our, our uh, he, he was like, David, uh, he was like Hans. He was like the most helpful dude. He's like, your seats are right here. You can order. They had like a little kiosk where you order food um from anywhere in the stadium and they just deliver it to you oh um, fucking a dude it was sick we were literally 15 feet from the bar uh like 30 steps from the bathroom on the aisle um in the club level it couldn't have been any better so it was a great experience overall uh the abs boat race the the flyers so a little cherry on top but uh yeah that philly almost buried me <laughs> almost sent you six feet under you hate to see it all right well that wraps up this winner's circle monday congrats to lydia co rory mcelroy and none other than nick dunlap for making history uh, incredible week on the pga tour we'll be back on thursday oh real quick bet three six five picks do you have them do you have your guys we gotta uh, get them yeah, out they need to be out in the universe okay uh we making two picks or three three i'll go with my three first if you can find another one okay so Heath Thigala, Plus 2,500. Uh, this is once again each way, one through 10, bet 365. Jason Day, plus 2,000. And Will Zalatoris, plus 3,500. Will Zalatoris has been terrible lately. He's he was good. Probably, he was decent last week. Probably bet on him to miss the fucking cut, you absolute <laughs> mush. Um, okay, I'm going to go Minwoo Lee, plus 2,000. Um, kind of a deserty type of course ish. Uh, you know, bring back the Australia vibes plus 2000 for Minwoo, uh, Keegan Bradley plus 2200. 
each way top 10. He finished second last year, almost won this event. Um, and let's go with uh, Nikolai Hoygaard plus 3,500 each way top 10. Um, he finished in the top five over at the Dubai Desert Classic. So as long as he's not too jet lagged, I like him to have a good week at the Farmers this week. Love that. Remember, golf starts early this week, folks. Wednesday golf, Farmers Insurance Open, Torrey Pines Golf Club. We will talk to you guys again on Thursday. Have a great middle of your week. We'll talk to you Thursday. Peace. Peace. 